The Arts of the San Joaquin Valley is a program that focuses on the arts community from Stockton to Merced and Foothill to Foothill. We talk with local authors, poets, playwrights, fine artists, actors, directors, filmmakers, dancers, musicians, crafters, and makers to learn more about their art and the arts-related events here in our part of the valley. We're your hosts, Linda Scheller. And I'm Sandy Graham. If you're involved in the greater arts community of our area and would like to be featured, we will share our contact information at the end of the show. Welcome to Arts of the San Joaquin Valley. Our guest today is Patty Castillo-Davis. She is a singer, songwriter, and a retired music liturgist, active in many local organizations and nonprofits. A three-time Modesto Area Music Award winner for Best Singer-Songwriter, Patty Castillo-Davis performs widely and has coordinated the entertainment for numerous local groups, including Latino Roundtable, American GI Forum, and the Women's March Modesto. She was honored by the Stanislaus County Commission for Women as one of 2019's Outstanding Women. Her website is pattycastillodavis.com. Welcome, Patty, and thank you so much for coming today. Thanks for having me. Patty, what's your earliest memory involving music? Oh, boy. I think my earliest memory um, involving music is just the house being immersed in eccentric types of music. My parents always playing the radio, always bringing home new recordings, and um, that's pretty much where my roots are steeped and whatever comes out of me as a songwriter has come from all of those influences. So your family was really involved in music? Huge, huge family um, influence. One of my uncles on my dad's side, he used to bring the guitar to every family event. And so I remember singing Your Cheating Heart at five years old, things like that. <laughs> it was fun, though. I, I, a lot of times I didn't know what I was singing, but I was just out there doing it because Aww. it was in me. And they encouraged you. Of course they did. I was a little show pony for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> How old were you when you started performing in public? Well, my first memory, um, I did a talent show when I was five years old. I was going to school in Escalon at Fort Tree Elementary, and I sang Hey Joe by Jimi Hendrix. Oh, that's great. My mother encouraged me. She said that that would be okay to sing that song. And the <laughs> teacher was okay with it, too. But as far as public... Being immersed in the music at church kind of prepared me, knowing that the congregation was very friendly and most of them were my friends. I felt like it gave me um, grounds for learning my, you know, my chops mm. because they were friendly and it was easy to be comfortable that way. So of the of the kinds of music... What besides Jimi Hendrix uh, were you were you influenced by as a young person? My mother loved Janis Joplin and Wilson Pickett and Carol King, and my dad loved um, Little Joey La Familia and lots of mariachi music, and he really loved the California sound. He was really into Credence, and he loved the Eagles. So kind of like a almost like a rock country type influence when I was four years old on my birthday my parents gave me a four track player and I remember I got the Righteous Brothers little um, tape I got the Supremes Hank Williams Sr. and um, there was one more I can't remember exactly what it was but that was kind of my influence hmm. early on when did you start composing your own music my mom said that when I was really, really small, that I used to hum tunes. And um, my dad said, I think she's writing a song. And my mom said, she can't even sing. I don't think she's writing a song. So he turned off the radio and I was singing something that was really totally different than whatever the radio was playing. So I guess I started when I was a baby. But I do remember when I was in grade school, I was always writing prose and poetry. And then um, we picked up this old piano from our neighbor. And it was half eaten by mice over at his house. And we pulled it over to our driveway. And I just started going crazy writing 
all kinds of melodies and putting my poems to that. So that was very early grade school. Was that the first instrument you began playing? Yes, actually it was. It was. I would I would make drums out of my Easter baskets when I was a kid, but you know, <laughs> I was that I was that kid. At what point did you start playing the guitar? I received my guitar from my parents when I was 13 and they gave me a Kenny Rogers um songbook. So, um I remember sitting on my bed and just working out the chords on my own. I didn't have any formal lessons. I just started playing because I liked it. When we lost Kenny Rogers just recently, it was it was a blow to me, and I took it in a way that I didn't think it would affect me, but it really did because I really um, he he was part of my early memories as a kid and music, the connection. Aww. Did you ever take formal lessons or classes? When I was about 12 years old, I took piano lessons, and I inadvertently taught myself chords, and I didn't know, and then my piano teacher didn't want to teach me anymore. She said, if you know chords, and you're not practicing your scales and learning the tabs and how to read, she said, then I, I don't need you as a student, because now you're spoiled, she said. I remember that my mom said, you're spoiled. So I thought, what does that even mean? I had a music teacher like that, a piano teacher. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Would you play a song for us? I'd love it if you'd actually Sure oh, Thank you I'm going to play the song This is the first song that I ever wrote Ooh. And um, this song's been really good to me This is also the song that won the Valley Talent Project uh, Best Original Composition in 2019 I wrote the song um, I was, I'll give you a little a little background so you can understand the lyrics. Um, I was I was separated from my husband, my first husband, and I was feeling maudlin and just all I was all about myself. And then I was packing up my house, and my three year old daughter Maya, um, her nickname was Ladybug, is Ladybug still? She's twenty five, but she's still the Ladybug, and. Um, she just kept, you know, of course, she's oblivious to what's happening, but she just said, Mom, just play with me. And so I was just realized that this thing that was happening was happening to all of us. It wasn't just happening to me, and I needed to snap out of it, and it just inspired me, and she inspired me. She was my muse. time I was the other side of 30 and whining and I was feeling so invisible and then I saw you there were remnants of my life inside a satchel there were inklings of my smile inside a picture and there were memories of used to be and then I saw you Ladybug Come on me, let's fly away I love you a million, you say And you wanna play Ladybug Come on me, let's fly away I love you a million, you say You make it okay Hey, ah myself in someone else's schedule and I have given up my turn again for quiet and I have everything but I can't see it and then I saw you 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 
Ladybug Come on me, let's fly away I love you a million, you say And you wanna play Ladybug Come on me, let's fly away I love you a million, you say you make it okay. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Patty. Sure. Maybe you could talk a little bit about the importance of music in education. I, from personal experience, um, remember that when the choir teacher came into our elementary school. She told us you have to be 11 years old to join the choir. She said, and it's going to make you smarter and it's going to make you learn how to be a team player. And she was, she was absolutely right. There's so many different dynamics that are connected to that. Um, it does make kids focus. Sometimes kids who don't learn like other kids do, or they have IEPs, they learn in their own special way. Music does something for them, or it gives them a way that they can communicate in a way that they really can't otherwise. And it, it does make for a great band member, team player. It even helps on sports because you learn all of these dynamics about how to share and how to keep apart and how, how your personal part is really important to the whole and things like that. Um, and I don't know the exact statistics, but I know it is very important to include some kind of arts and music with kids. It's, it's great for their academics. Do you have any suggestions how we could get more music into the schools locally? Wow. That seems to be the first thing that goes yeah. when there's a budget uh, cuts I'm not really sure. I do know that some of um, some people have taken it upon themselves to just go out there and start a music camp or uh, a music school, things like that. There's GK Music. There's VMI. Modesto Sound teaches kids hmm. to do this. It's a recording arts camp. So they learn how to interview people and what bullet points to talk about when you're doing an interview and how mics work and how to, you know, you, I'm in a band with eight other grownups and some of them don't know how to roll up a cord. Oh. <laughs> things like that, you know, how to use the microphone and those types of things. It's, you can apply all that to living, all of these things that you learn. It's, it's really important. I think we just have to show people by showing them the end product. Look at these kids. Look at these kids' bands. So they don't know how to read music. They just know how to, to listen. They know how to work as a team. They know how important their part is in the whole bigger outlook. So those types of things, you just have to take it and run with it. You can't wait for somebody to write you a check. You just have to go and just do it mm. yourself. That's how we're going to do it. Did you sing in choir or perform in band or what have you when you were in high school? Of course I did. <laughs> I sang in choir. I couldn't wait to be 11 years old so I could join the choir. So uh, I did sing in choir all the years through school, except for when I got to high school, I got distracted. I wanted to be a journalist. So it was like I was more focused on clubs learning those types of things and networking with people instead of music. And I wish that I would have continued it. I would tell any kid, if you feel music or you feel it's your bliss or you think that that's something that you're good at, continue. Just keep doing it. Find the avenue. Mm -hmm. It will serve you in the end. This is KCBP Community Radio, and you're listening to Arts of the San Joaquin Valley with your host, Linda Scheller, and our guest today, Patty Castillo-Davis. Patty, perhaps you could talk a little bit about your songwriting process. My songwriting process starts usually with melody. However, once I started to be a little bit more tech savvy, I am still a dinosaur. I call myself a dinosaur, but I know how to use my voice memo on my phone, so I'm not losing things. It used to be that I would be 
having have a melody or dream a melody or something in my head or something that would inspire me. And then if I didn't try to figure out a way to preserve it, then it was gone. I remember when I wrote Ladybug, I was sitting underneath the Christmas tree at like three o'clock in the morning with a little tape recorder in the dark because I didn't want to wake the kids. And I was singing into that, just, just singing melodies. And I am one of those people that I'm a singer who just taught herself how to play the guitar. So I'm not an instrumentalist by way of just necessity because I was tired of paying some guy most of my money to play for me. And I thought, I'm not paying this guy to do this anymore. I'm going to go home and I'm going to learn four hours of music because that's generally what most places want to hear. And I'm going to, even if I only know five chords, I'm going to learn all of the songs that I can learn that have those little bit of chords in that duration so that I can be self-sufficient. And that's just kind of how it it worked. Um, and then chords that I don't know on the guitar, I would just play on a keyboard. So I will get melodies usually, and then I will try to um, put the verbiage in there. I don't, my songs, I don't think people talk like that. People don't talk like um, how, how I, my lyrics are. I'm pretty sure. I mean, someone's not going to say, you know, there's an inkling of my smile in the picture. I'm not, well, some of my friends, why? But I don't know a lot of people that talk like that. But um, so, and that's kind of challenging too. When I've taken some of my songs to songwriting um, camps or to songwriting expos and talk to pro songwriters, some of them will tell me, people don't talk like this, honey. Or they'll say, you know, a man's not going to talk like that. And I said, well, I'm not writing about being a man, am I? <laughs> I, I? I'm writing, I just write about what I know. That's all I do. So that's where the songs are born. Do they change over time ever? The melodies change over time, but usually the lyrics don't. But the melodies will, something will either, my voice will change or, and when I mean my voice, I don't mean my literal voice. I mean, something's influenced me to think in another way. So my voice changes. And so then I will sing it a little bit differently or also depending on the surroundings or where I'm actually singing, I will change it to suit my demographic. Hmm. (laughs) That happens too. How do the other musicians pick up on that? I am really fortunate that I'm surrounded by some people who kind of just know, even though we hadn't played together for a long time when I first started my my first band, the guys that I surrounded myself with, they just knew. I think that's why they came on board, because they got me, and we so we got each other. There was something there that they just knew, this is what she's going to play next, or I think this is how she's going to do They just They just know. Are there signs and signals that you develop? Yes, yes, there is. Sometimes if I'm going to make the song longer, then I will, you know, just make a hand signal longer. Or if I'm playing the guitar, I'll just raise one hand in the air or whatever, or to make this long, or I'll just point the finger and I'll look around. So that everybody will, you know, do eye contact and know where that we're going to go. Or sometimes I just will scream off of the side, F or whatever the chord <laughs> is, you know, things like that, or even into the microphone, I'll say, and we're going to go to the four or whatever. And they just know the music speaks. So they do it. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it is great. Have you ever performed with all women? I have performed with all women. Um, for the Women's March, I have done a few gigs then. And um, many years ago, there was this women's organization that was like an upstart thing that happened. And there was a festival. It it didn't last very long in our area, but there are plans in the making for more of this. I promise you. Was it the Women's Music Festival? Yes. I remember that. Yeah, I hope they bring that back. I think it went north. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from what I've heard... I mean, when you're performing with just women, it's it's different. It is different. It's it's very different. There's there's something. It's almost like you have a silent knowledge about something, and um, there's nothing better than getting props and getting uplifted by the group of women that you're surrounded by. I'm all for that. If you yeah. know anything about me, you know that that's my thing. <laughs> I'm all for that. Where do you find ideas and inspiration for your songs? 
I have only ever written about what I know. And even if it isn't something really personal that happened to me, I draw upon a lot of experiences. My chain of social people or my tribes and my family and friends, we're so diverse and we're so, like I say, my family tree is fruits and nuts. I've said it before, so they won't be offended. They just know. (laughs) There's so much going on. There's all these experiences that I can draw from. So it's it's pretty easy to find something, um, just the approach and the attack on how I'm going to do that. Am I going to write a song that's going to be a lesson? Am I going to write a song that you don't even know that you're dancing to a song about domestic abuse? You know, th- because sometimes that's when the message is going to land. Mm-hmm. You hear it enough and you start singing it at your house and you're like, wait a second, that's not a very cool thing that they're, she's singing about. Mm-hmm. But I would never have thought about that or addressed it had I not heard that. Uh, so there is a conscious decision. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Yes. What are some parallels and similarities between songwriting and motherhood? Well, your songs are just like your babies. Hmm. When someone asks you, what is your favorite song? You don't want to pick one. You want to say, oh, I love them all equally, even though it's kind of not true, because there's little facets that make each song and each person special. Maybe it's just something that sticks out that you love more about that. It doesn't mean you don't love the other. It just means this is the shining thing. This is the beacon. And then this other, this is something else that, that makes you fond of it. It's like labor. It's like a labor. Hmm. When I, I was very mindful that I wanted to write a song for some friends of mine, a very good couple of friends of mine, The husband was a songwriter, the same as myself, and we did some team writing, and he helped me out a lot when I had writer's block, and he suddenly died. And it affected me in a a really profound way, and then I was thinking, wow, what is this doing to his wife and his family? And I knew that I wanted to sing because I cared so much about them, but I also wanted to do something that was honest and that would justify that wasn't sounding like it was exploitation. And Mm. so I labored and labored because I can't think of another word. I just labored over that song for over a year because I wanted it to be right. But I wanted, I didn't know what to say. What do you say to someone? All the only thing I could do was I know I can sing something because that's how I, that's how I express myself the best and the most. And you, you want to foster it. And like you said, do over time, do, do the songs change? they morph into something or they evolve into something different because, um, you know, they are, they are like, they are, they take a life of on their own. So mm-hmm. it's, it is, it is very close. It is very close to motherhood in that, in that way, all the ways for me. Back in 2014, you received the Modesto area music award for best singer songwriter. And I read that it was particularly important to you. Maybe you could elaborate about that experience. First of all, there are a handful of women artists or women-fronted music projects, bands, or whatever. And so to be in this, this category with all of these people that have already, their legacy, they've been playing for a really long time. And so when I was out there writing music, I felt frankly, very intimidated because I've always been mindful of the inequity as far as gender goes. And so it was very important to me because those songs, when I performed them live, I wasn't just solo. Sometimes I was with my band and my band are all males. And these were guys that we, when we got together, I told them, you have to know that I'm the boss, this is how it's going to go, and I'm going to let you know how I want things to go. And if that's not okay with you, or if you don't have the skills to deal with that, then, you know, there's no hard feelings, but I just need to know these things ahead of time. So they were all very supportive, and still to this day, very supportive. So the fact that I was able to build something that was mostly me, and that I wanted it to have a female face, and a lot of the messages were female-centric, and these other players that happened to be men. They weren't chosen because of that. I just chose who got me the best and who were the best at what they did. They supported that. And so our final product was good enough for the people, the populace, 
they enjoyed it. They got something from it. And so the win was great because it was an older woman of color writing about herself that maybe some people, it didn't pertain to them or not, but it hit home with a lot of people. So it was very rewarding because I just write about what I know and and it seemed to grab a hold of some people and they could relate. So who is in the band with you? The Patty Castillo Davis Band. See, she even named it after herself. Well, good, <laughs> as it should be. Our bass player is Tim Allen, who plays the bass and the keyboards simultaneously. It's something to see and sings all the high parts. Oh, yes. This, wow. He's something. Um, and Joe Beretta, who is um, from San Francisco by way of Detroit, Michigan, he now he lives in Turlock, is one of the best guitar players I've ever known, I've ever seen and played with. And so I was, I was just doing something that my mom said, aim really, really high, aim higher than you could dream. And I just thought, this guy's played in Nashville, he writes music for Animal Planet, you know, what are the odds? But there was something about him that I dug that I thought he would get me. And I just asked him, he's like, are you kidding me? I would love to play in the band with you. So that happened. And then um, David Rogers, who's the drum love drum circle guy, he is um, my drummer and percussionist. And he just brings a whole, he brings like a world music thing with him. And he's just so zen and so woke. He's one of my favorite mm. people because he is, he brings also that to the band so we have like a potpourri of all kinds of good smelling stuff at the end (laughs) besides your own compositions what other music do you play oh because my dad and my mom brought all that stuff into our house i play all kinds i love linda ronstadt she is she is a goddess and probably the biggest influence outside of Buffy St. Marie for me. Um, Linda Ronstadt, my, I think it started with the crush. My dad had a crush on her. So he brings the music in the house and then I get the crush. And I'm thinking as I followed her career, you know, I, she's singing songs that are written by men that men are singing about women and never changes a lyric. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to do that. (laughs) I want to do that. I want to play these songs. So I just decided that, you know, I kind of want to follow what she was doing. I just want to sing all the songs. I want to sing all the songs until someone says, you shouldn't do that. Even if they tell me I shouldn't do it, I'm doing it. (laughs) So um, I just found that that worked for me. Really heavily influenced by R&B. I also am in another group where we just mostly play cover songs outside of Big Ol' Hands because they get a kick out of that. So we Mm -hmm. play that now and then. Aretha Franklin all the Motown sound. And then on the other hand, it's like all this folk, folky stuff. It really made an impression on me when I found out that there were only nine women total that played at Woodstock. Total nine women. Um, And not all of them were lead singers. Some of them maybe played cello in one of the other bands or somebody played a tambourine. So I found that very interesting and I kind of wanted to do more. So I listen to those artists as well and that whole movement my parents are folkies as well so mm-hmm. i call them folkies um so i gleaned at my parents they they did all of this i, I blame them i blame me on them um everything that they brought into the house i just i was just hungry for it and i just absorbed all of it as far as the rights are you able to perform covers but it's when you want to record something that you have to yes. get permission when I play in a bar or a restaurant or an event, they have to be paying some sort of stipend to BMI, ASCAP, or CSAC. It's just a rule or else you can't have a jukebox. You can't have overhead music in your venue. So if you are going to be someone who's going to cover those songs, the same thing applies. That wherever you're holding your event, they have to pay so that the songwriters get what is due. When you are going to record, you have to also, in fact, I just finished recording my version of Ring of Fire, had to get a hold of the House of Cash, you have to jump through hoops. And I'm happy to do that. Mm -hmm. Because I believe that, you know, we wouldn't have what we have without their words and their music. And and it came, 
It was born from them. I understand it. This is KCBP Wesley, 95.5 FM, and streaming at kcbpradio.org. You're listening to Arts of the San Joaquin Valley with your host, Linda Scheller, and our guest today, singer-songwriter Patty Castillo-Davis. How would you describe your musical sound? I think it would probably be indie, growl, soul, folk. And I say that because sometimes I will take a song and just take apart the arrangement and just do whatever. And I always feel it inside. I can make a slow song fast. I can turn the fast song into a ballad. Um, So I say indie, growl, soul, folk, because I think that kind of sums up my immersion in all of those genres. And growl is just me, because I I, I don't know. I just, that's what I think I am. I was just going to ask about that, Mm -hmm. because I had not heard that term. Yeah, I just think that's me. (laughs) (laughs) For what other musicians and bands have you opened shows? I um, have been very fortunate that all of the work has not been for not. I've had people out there come to me and, and invite me to do those types of things. And that's kind of the the pinnacle. That's what you're striving for when you're a local person who's been, you know, goes and has played the bars and has done all of those types of things. And, and, and I'm happy in all of the situations, maybe not the bars anymore, because my bedtime's changed. So I can't do that so much just because it's not pleasant for my body. But doing all that hard work and all the woodshedding has led to that. And that's today still where I am. I would like to have some music played and placed nationally. And opening for for national artists is, is a really big privilege. I've opened for, I have been at the Lilith Fair Village and, and represented this area over there um, in the late 90s. And I've been lucky to open for Beth Hart, who's a great R&B singer, and Dwight Yoakam, and um, Kenny Wayne Shepherd and Los Lonely Boys, who do a really great blues show, and Dave Mason, who was at Woodstock, and um, gosh, Jimmy Vaughn, who is an excellent blues player as well, Lou Ann Barton, who tours with him a lot of the time. It's funny, it reflects my influence in music. I've opened for country artists. I've opened for blues artists. I've opened for pop singers and rock singers. So that's the reward. It makes me feel like I didn't strive to be eclectic. It just happened because that's just how, how I am and how my music comes out. But if I can fit in all those places and be just plugged right in, that's a coup. That's a coup for a woman who's almost 60, who is a woman of color, who's a woman. It doesn't always happen. You have to work. 50 times harder. Mm-hmm. It's very, very hard. And so that is, that's the reward. I'm so grateful. It's a blessing. And all of those connections and those people that believed in me who thought I could do it and just said, you know, we, we want you, we just, we choose you. That's why I'm here. I think yeah. that's what I'm doing it for. <laughs> On your website, which again, for our listeners is pattycastillodavis.com. You wrote about the best gig by far. Could you tell us about that, please? I would love to. The best gig that I ever had. I didn't open for someone from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I didn't open for somebody who was on the Grand Ole Opry. I was able to travel to Roma, Italy, and there was a private audience with Pope John Paul II, and this was about three months prior to his death. And um, I went with a choir. Of course, we had to um, send in a tape of audition. And my 13-year-old daughter and I got to sing a solo portion for that. And that is one of the best memories of doing something together with my daughter, who is also a singer, way better than me, because I made sure I learned from my own my own speed bumps along the way to have her classically trained and learn how to read music. So um, it was it was a wonderful time singing a selection for Pope John Paul II in the Vatican during a private audience. That is something that I will treasure forever. It's very close to my heart because it's like a unicorn thing. It doesn't happen to everybody <laughs> and you don't get to see it all the time. And it connected to me spiritually as well. So it was a real deep, awesome thing that happened. In this past year, the pandemic year, did you 
create any new music or learn anything about yourself as a musician? I asked that question of some of my peers as well, and I would have thought that a lot of songwriting would have been going on, but for me, it wasn't. For me, it was like a veil was lifted and I learned characteristics about people that I knew or people in general that I, that I was surprised at. And, and frankly, it was disappointing. So I wasn't sure that I wanted to write music in that space. And I was also learning lessons as to when we reopened, where was I going to perform? Did I want to go back to a place that I felt like they didn't care for their patrons, which meant they didn't care for a musician who would be playing in their venue, things like that, people who weren't following guidelines. I wasn't completely sitting in the mire and wallowing that type of thing, but it kind of gave me a liberation. It gave me some freedom and some independence to where I felt like, wow, I would look at my calendar and see you had 20 gigs this time last year and now you have none. How Mm -hmm. do I feel about that? First of all, I felt like I don't want to hustle that hard because I was hustling that hard because I was a chick singer, frankly. And I thought, I am not doing that again. I'm going to figure out a way to not have to work that hard anymore for the same. I also learned that some of my old songs, I was enlightened and the time and going through the isolation and, and just seeing all the nuttiness that was going on, for lack of a better word, I would sing my songs differently. So I would live stream from the house and I would do some things and I would reinterpret cover songs as well. I think it lifted a veil and I was able to see the true inequities. I was able to see those simple things. I was able to finally be quiet and listen to myself and, and, and to what was going on in the world. And it just made me richer. Mm-hmm. It made me more grateful. It made me a better advocate. It made me a better everything. It made me a better wife, mom, sister, everything. So it helped shine a light. If you've ever seen these um, old movies or like a maybe a soap opera type, they look like they film everyone through this hazy filter of everything. So, you know, you're the fresh air blowing through your hair. It's like that was gone. It was completely <laughs> taken away and I was seeing all the truths. So I'm grateful for that. I saw the truths. That's what it was for me. This is Arts of the San Joaquin Valley, and our guest today is Patty Castillo-Davis. So now that things are starting to open up, where might we hear you perform? Well, let me tell you, it seems like I didn't have a great appreciation for the outdoors until I had no other choice but to, you know, that was the venue. But I love it. It's great. People were able to feel comfortable um, because they could still follow their own personal comfort level to go to wherever the music was. The next thing that I have going on is Joe Beretta and I are going to be doing the Brown Bag series, which is on the lawn over at Gallo. We'll be there on July 16 from noon to one. So, you know, grab your lunch and come down and it's just going to be real acoustic. We're just going to play songs that we love, some originals and some cover music. And then the next morning I'll be at the farmer's market at 9 a.m. And that evening on the 17th, I'll be um, at Luca Winery opening for East Bay Soul. And that's a red tie arts. It's a really, really good um, music foundation. It gives back. It creates music education and scholarships for kids. So that's a real, real fun thing. And um, I've never played at the House of Beef in Oakdale, but I heard it's a kick. And it's an outdoor venue. And that's on the 23rd of July at 630. And then... um, more market music. I'll be at the Farmer's Market on the 29th of July at 9 a.m. in the morning with Drum Love, Dave Ooh. Rogers. So we'll be out there. He'll be doing his thing, um, giving off the good vibes, and that's what I have going on so far. But on uh, Graffiti Night, Gallo Center for the Arts is having us out there on their lawn, and I'm in a, an eight-piece band called The Vibes. So we're going to be doing all the genres of all the music and um it's a really good group of, of musicians. Steve Ashman from Zazu Pitts Memorial Orchestra. He and I co-founded the band. Claudia Streeter from The Sensations. She's playing out there with us. Dave Rogers, of course. Joe Beretta. Kevin Zuffy, who's toured with blues legends and B.B. King and all around the world. And um, Scott Turner, who's a great harp player, local guy. And uh, Gary Nelson, who's in third party. He'll be playing as well. 
and myself. I hope I didn't forget anybody. If I did, please forgive me. <laughs> um, we're going to be out there doing all kinds of music and it'll be overlapping the parade. So it'll be like from five to eight on August 20th. What are your current musical goals? To finish my recording project. I have a recording project going on and Joe Beretta and Mark Pollock from Nashville are helping me go through that. It's hard when you have, like I said, your songs are like your children. So I'm trying to decide which ones, um, for selfish reasons, which ones do I like the best or which ones do I think are going to impact somebody. Somebody needs to hear this song, you know, trying to go through and, and choose those. That's my number one priority is to finish my original music and record. But I would also like to do another opening for a national act. And I do plan to have another women's event all women musicians, either solely or women-fronted bands as well to where, you know, the she-boss, that's something else I want to do as well. Would you please play another song for us? I will. This next song is um, Chris Dowd, who is a really great local singer-songwriter. He has a group called the 52-Week Club, and he gives a topic every week. This particular week, it was music and my horse, and I thought, gosh, can I take that music and my horse and make a song out of that? And um, by golly, I, I did. I made a song out of that. So this is what I'm talking about. You take a song and you put a good beat to it and people don't know that they're getting a message. Taken it this far before. I can't find the baby pictures. There's no other way to fix this. I need to be gone before he walks back through this door. What am I waiting for? Oh, I can't stay here anymore. some feet into the truck bed what's going on inside of my head i got my lender on stata records out of storage what the hell became of me where did i put my rosary i made a promise but i can't live in purgatory no what am i waiting for oh i can't stay here anymore my lip is busted and I just can't be that kind of wife. I put all my trust in some freaking man before my own life. I'm so tired of something happening and fits and starts. I hitch the trailer taking nothing but my music and my horse. Loaded up my broken heart, grabbed my case and my guitar, blasted Patsy Cline and cried until the rest stopped. Picked a twist out of the ashtray, spun the tires on this old red clay, had a conversation with my mare. Giddy up, let's go. What am I waiting for? Oh, I can't stay here anymore. My lip is busted and I just can't be that kind of wife. I put all my trust in some freaking man before my own life. I grew so tired of something happening and fits and starts. I hitched the trailer taking nothing but my music. I grew so tired. I put all my trust. My mama said she'd rather die than get a damn divorce. I ain't my mama, so I'm leaving with my music and my horse. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, boy, that gets you where you live. That's great. Thank you. 
I'm real curious to hear what the other artists did with their music and their horse. I'm, hmm. I don't think it was like this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's fabulous. Thanks and so it much. needs to be heard. Thanks so much. Maybe you could talk about the gender gap in music and, and how that affects girls and young women who really want to make that their career. It's huge. Going from just locally, most of the venues are owned by men. And, and I'm not sure that it, all of this stuff is purposeful, but, you know, there are so many more male bands, male-fronted bands. So, of course, they get more bookings. And um, my feeling is until my male peers go to the venue or go to the promoter and say, you know what, we're not going to be on this bill until you have 50-50 women artists and male artists. However, where we live, the gigs are few and far between and they don't pay scale because it's just not that's just not where we are, where we live. So I'm not really sure when that's going to happen. Because if the opportunities are small to start with, it's going to be a real challenge for somebody to maybe do the right thing. And and that's not everyone, because I have a huge team of male support who are always mindful when it comes to booking bigger gigs. or And, and that's what needs to happen. I think also people need to put their money where their advocacy is. If you go to a festival or you know there's a festival happening and you and you just happen to say, you know, how many women are on the bill? And they're like, well, we just, you know, we don't have any, you know, then don't go. I, I know it's tough. And especially after a pandemic when we're all starving for social gatherings and we want to hear music because we have been robbed of so much. But also coming back, that is where the pandemic hit the hardest was women-owned businesses, women artists. Those are the people that had to close, or those are the people that had to close up shop because of that. I'm going to grab some stats. And a lot of these things I didn't know myself, but um, I learned as I was doing research because I figured, you know, when you see when you see something and you feel like it's a problem, you know, try to educate yourself about what's going on so that there's going to be naysayers and you need to know what you're talking about when you're telling them that the percentage of women across five executive roles in the music industry, this is uh, record labels. There are 11.7% women in publishing, 22.2% live music, 6.7% women, radio, 20%, streaming, 7.1%, country radio, has a policy that you don't play two women artists back to back. Oh, that's shocking. And I didn't make that up. It's truth. That's the truth. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sexism in the music industry. Oh, gosh. In the last decade, only 12.6% of the songwriters of the most popular songs were women. And on average, only 19% of artists performing at music festivals, music festivals, where there are sometimes 80 artists and a three-day festival, only 19% of the artists are women on a bill. That's discouraging. It is. One of the good things that I've noticed here locally at some of these, um, the I call them schools of rock, like VMI and GK, and there's others, Modesto Sound, there are, it's visible, there are so many young girls and young women at the helm. They all want that. I think because parenting has become a little bit more liberated and we're telling our kids and reminding them our girls you can be whatever you want if you can see it that's what I used to tell my daughters if you can see it you can be it you can do it you can dream it it's it's a real thing it's a tangible thing that you can go after that's why visibility is so important I think I've shared this story with you before Linda when I was six years old my parents were visiting relatives in San Pedro and Buffy St. Marie was playing on stage. And I had never seen anybody that had long black hair and brown skin like me playing guitar and singing. And I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And I knew that that's who I wanted to be. I was wearing those um, yarn mops on my hair. I'll show you a picture sometime. And um, because Nancy Sinatra, I saw her and her go-go boots on TV, and I wanted to be her too. So I thought that's what I needed to be. So I got a white mop head long, and I would wear that with my, and pose for pictures in the guitar. Until I saw Buffy St. Marie, and she was singing, 
And I was just fixated on her face. First, she looked like one of my tias. So I was just looking at her and, and I was falling in love with her and what she meant. And um, she had someone come and get me to walk on the stage and I stood by her. Oh. I stood by her when she sang. It changed my life forever because I believed, because I saw with my own eyes, somebody that looked like me. Mm-hmm. I thought, if I wanted to do that, I could probably do that. And my parents always encouraged me. My mother always encouraged me because I wanted to sing a Johnny Cash song. I'm always in a school talent show. And um, they told me that would I choose something else? And they talked to my mom and told her, have, can you have her sing something else? Oh, K They're like, you know, we want you to sing K by Doris Day because, you know, you look Spanish. And she's like, for one, we're Mexican. <laughs> and she said she wants to sing a Johnny Cash song. Will that be okay? I don't remember if I was allowed to sing that song or if I did. Maybe not. But um, seeing seeing somebody that looks like you, telling a, a young girl and a young woman that um, you can do these things and then everyone who's in charge is a man just because that's just how it is. And then telling them, well, that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. And not thinking that you have a voice that's loud enough or smart enough to provoke change. I can see that today's parents are doing a, a, a better job, a different job, because they have different skills too. And, and we're all learning every day what options are. And I want to tell those young girls to not quit playing your bass, Trinity, Girls don't stop playing the drums just because the statistics tell us that we're few and far between or that the opportunities are not there. We can create our own opportunities and we will figure out a way. That's that's how this is going to happen. That's how we're going to go forward. We're going to find our tribe of men and women who are advocates who um, are, will say, I will write the check. You go rent the space and you can do all these things because there are people who believe in doing the right thing and just believe in all the talent. There's so much talent that doesn't get heard because it doesn't look like whatever is the flavor of the month. So we have to start local. And and I have a really good friend in Chris Murphy. I just tell him almost everything that he's ever supported me on. If he hadn't invited me, I had just showed up and just said, here's my chair. Scoot on over because I'm coming. Put me to work. And, and so, so the expectation is if she's going to show up, she better know what she's doing. And so I make sure that I do. I show up and make sure I know what I'm doing to get the job done. So I believe in them. I believe in all the girls. They can do it. So what kind of advocacy have you been doing locally? Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm kind of an empath or I'm kind of that person that if I see something that's happening... I feel like I have to say something and it's not most, it's not a most popular place to be in all of the time, especially these days with how the world is tumbling and fumbling and we're trying to find our footing back from unprecedented times. But I am also an animal lover. So I'm always, I'm always out there being vocal. I'm trying to put a face to it because I believe if you see if you see something or if you if it looks like your neighbor or somebody looks familiar to you, then you can care about it or you can love it. So I try to bring I try to to just let people know, you know, this is what if it happened to you or this person is just like you or this situation is just like you. What if it was your kid? Um, what if it was you? I think if you make somebody care about something or figure out a way for them to see that, then they're going to do the advocacy on their own. You, you don't, they don't feel like they're doing something that goes against them. I think innately everybody is a helper. They just haven't found their place, you know, where they feel like they have strength in helping. Cause some people think, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. I, I am, um, loud. So I write a column for the Modesto View, which is called Songwriting View. And a lot of the times, like during the pandemic, when there were no places open, and we couldn't really write about those types of things like, oh, here's where so and so is playing. And this is a new song that's dropped. I would just talk about whatever I had on my mind. And my publisher supports that. He said, you just say what you think. Because it's probably going to be okay. (laughs) 
there are going to be people who need to hear that message. So I am online and I am posting. And because I just believe all you need is love is not all you need. You need so much more, but that's, that's a foundation. That's a good place to start. Mm -hmm. So just start saying things. If you see something that's wrong, speak out about it, talk to somebody. So I'm talking about something all the time, either, you know, there's feral animals or there's, um, I'm really close in my heart with interfaith ministries, which is now called, um, a food initiative of, uh, Stanislaw, I'm probably saying it wrong, but um, people will know. Um, I have a coat drive every year just because my daughters went to school in series with a pair of sisters who lived in their car and they were homeless. And so we would give them from our own home. And I just thought there's there's more than this. So just find out what you care about yourself and then you start there. And that's what you can advocate for because advocacy doesn't have to be a huge platform, but whatever you have, just share it. Mm-hmm. So I'm everywhere, Linda, all over the place talking about everything because um, I've seen it. I can't ignore it. So I have to say something about it. I guess to wrap things up, maybe you could just talk about the importance of music in our community and in, in people's lives. We have such a longing. <laughs> Everybody wants to be validated and everybody wants to be loved in the end and sometimes in those communal spaces where music is that's where you get to be with like-minded people in a concert setting so that's why we suffered so much during the pandemic when we couldn't be together socially it really affected us in our heart and in our brain music has no nationality music doesn't have a specific language So even people who don't understand or speak the same language that we do, we can connect with those people just by listening to the song, even if we don't know what the words say. If the melody melody doesn't always speak to us, sometimes just hearing an inflection in someone's voice when they're speaking the words and singing the words, that is a common thread that brings us all together is music, no matter what kind of music it is. That's why when you go to a powwow, I dare anyone who's ever been to a powwow to not move to not snap your finger or stomp your foot or or tap, you know, your hand on your side, because it is a heartbeat. It's a common heartbeat. The rhythm, it's it's through all of us. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you are, um, where you are on the socioeconomic scale. That's our common thread is music. It's It's a truth. It can bring people back from a really dark place. My husband has an uncle who suffered from Alzheimer's and he didn't recognize this when we went to go visit him. And I brought my guitar and, um, all he could, all he could remember of my husband because he wears a cowboy hat was that he said, Scott is a cowboy, right? I said, Scott, yeah, Scott's a cowboy. And, um, I started playing blue Bayou because he loved Nolans. So I played blue Bayou and uncle Rex sang every lyric to the song. He didn't know who we were, but he could sing all of the words. And he loved Willie Nelson, and we played On the Road Again, and he sang all of the words. He knew every lyric to every song that I played. The music made an impression in his brain and in his heart, and it brought him back from a place where we thought he was lost forever. But in that moment, he was present, and he was enjoying. And that was the common thing, even though we couldn't have a conversation through the music, we could have something. Mm. We had, we really had something. Where can our listeners go online to either hear some of your music or find out where you're going to be performing in the future? Well, you all could go to my website, which is pattycastillodavis.com, or I'm really, really active on Facebook. I will create events and um, post them on there so that you know when and where. And my music is on there as well and on Bandcamp. And um, look forward to the new music that's being recorded. It'll be out soon. Our guest today has been Patty Castillo Davis. Thank you so much, Patty. It's just been wonderful having you here. Thank you, Linda. I had a great time myself. The Arts of the San Joaquin Valley has been produced and hosted by Linda Scheller and Sandy Graham and features music by Kilobot, 
Waves of Wonder from the album Jazzy Lazy. You can learn more about their music at www.kilobot.de. That's K-I-E-L-O-B-O-T dot D-E. If you would like us to feature your art-related event, or if you would like to be featured on our show, contact us at arts at kcbpradio.org. Stay tuned for more great community radio brought to you by local volunteers, the Modesto Peace Life Center, and listeners like you. Please visit kcbpradio.org to show your support and to learn more about your community radio station. Catch you next time on the Arts of the San Joaquin Valley.